the True Achievements Podcast, AAA edition, part one. On today's show, come on baby, light my saber, we get stuck into Star Wars Battlefront. Lara is back, can she make Jay rise to the occasion? I feel the need, the need for better handling, EA's racer returns. Taken to the next level, Destiny finally becomes an essential purchase. And is this the future of game retail? We discuss the benefits of EA Access. All this and more on your community riling, pit boy surprising, monthly summarising, True Achievements Podcast. everyone to the true achievements podcast for november november uh, as you, november where has the time gone jay i i don't know it's like yesterday it was the end of august and we had <laughs> fall ahead of us and then now it's almost time for turkey in the united states with christmas right that's now. right it's i was insane. up in the loft today looking at our tree decorations thinking it's time it's time my wife, yeah my wife was like shopping for tree skirts at target yesterday so i'm like i'm i'm mentally not ready for this yet. is that a skirt that looks like a tree how does, how no does it's a work? thing you put around the base of your tree oh, okay. so you hide your trees base and you put presents on it um no we can talk about my wife's skirts on a different place, so. <laughs> yes that's probably a uh, good idea as you've all uh, figured out, uh, I am Jonathan, otherwise known as OSU Blue Jacket. Uh, joining me this bright morning slash afternoon, depending on your time zone, we have Rich. Say hello, Rich. Hey. And uh, joining us, hopefully a little bit later, will be Dave K. But if he bails on us, he's dead. He's, he's dead, dead to us. man. Um, Michelle I'm take is also all his badges away. Yeah, Michelle is also currently out. She just started a brand new job um, working in New York City, so she's been a little crazy the past couple of weeks. Um, but yay, we, yeah, yay for Michelle. We, uh, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Not a lot of it is news. Most of it is just, uh, new games that have come out and games, games. that we have played. Games, games, games. Tons of games. And fortunately, from the looks of a lot of them, they're good games too. Mm-hmm. Um, which Hooray. is great. Um, <laughs> I, I think Rich, you probably feel this way too. I've reached a point in my life where I have less time and yeah. more games instead of totally. the opposite. Uh, yeah. Uh, 100%. Having a, having a little person to look after makes that even more, or yeah. those, those gaming hours even more precious. I, I can I can only imagine. Uh, mm. I, I am the little person in our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's true. That is true. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's get back in the time machine. It's been a while since we've all chatted. Um, I'll, I'll just kick things off, talk a little bit about Destiny. Um, Destiny still is an amazingly popular game, and... Uh, I got to review the new expansion, uh, The Taken King. This was way back in September. Uh, Mm. Now, just as a little bit of a a backstory, I did our initial review for Destiny, and I was pretty underwhelmed. I think I gave it like a 3.5. It was just, everyone knows Destiny had a ton of problems. But the thing that was really great about it was that gameplay loop. The actual shooting and looting was was fun. So I, uh, when I bought my initial copy of Destiny, I got the collector's edition that had codes for the first two expansions so sometime around the end of spring i think i just finished reviewing the witcher uh i was just looking for a game that i could play for like 45 to 60 minutes at a time something i'd get home from work play for a little bit and then go to the gym just something to unwind and i picked destiny back up started running like daily bounties and strikes uh realized i had a couple of friends who were still playing it and i just got sucked back in so destiny was the game that i played all summer long um, I maxed out two characters just on the original content. Uh, then when they launched Destiny 2.0, which I think was the week before The Taken King came out, I started a third character, uh, a Titan, to play through how they repackaged their original content, which I thought was really good. Um, one of the big aesthetic changes is they swapped out the voice actor, um, Dinklage, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, uh, is no longer the voice of Ghost. They put in Nolan North, who... Uh, if you've played a video game in the past five years, you know his voice. Um, but he did a really great job voicing Ghost. Uh, they repackaged and rebalanced a lot of the missions to make them have a little bit better flow. Um, it still has a lot of narrative problems. The story 
of Destiny, Vanilla Destiny, is still just outright terrible. And one thing, if you have not seen this yet, this came out um, probably about a month ago at this point, because I remember reading it in the airport at Montreal when I was at a conference. But Jason Schreier, Schreier from Kotaku spent months and had an amazing long expose on just what happened to Destiny and what happened at Bungie and the breakdown of that narrative team and story team and how they had to basically rip the game apart narratively and stitch it back together. And it makes the whole game make a little more sense behind the scenes. So Destiny 2.0 was a good start. I did a third character. And then the Taken King dropped, and it is amazing. Um, it has a better story than anything the vanilla Destiny had. Uh, basically, the long and short of it is a giant dreadnought, which is like a hive ship, arrives in the rings of Saturn um, with you know a new big bad guy who's going to wreak havoc upon the, the solar system. So you got to go to the Dreadnought and explore it, and uh, there's new types of enemies to fight, new types of gear to find, um, new exotics, new legendaries, all that good stuff. Um, and it's great. It, it's it's simply fantastic. Uh, they have new strikes, uh, a new raid. They've rebalanced a lot of the strikes, too, so you'll see different enemy types when you run them different times. Um, so after you run them enough, you'll, you'll sort of understand what to expect when you have different enemy variants invading different strikes. But it's just out-and-out out fantastic. I, I couldn't say good enough things about it. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, if you were one of the many, many people who played Vanilla Destiny and didn't like it, thought it was kind of nonsensical, put it away, I would really advise you to keep an eye out for the um, a deal on the Taken King Legendary Edition, which has everything in it. It's probably going to be for sale like on a discount this holiday season. Give it a chance. Pick mm. it back up. Um, it's really great, especially with friends. But even without friends, um, the story uh, and just general new atmospheres of The Taken King make it worth jumping back in for a little while. So I would respect if you don't want to spend another $60 to get everything Destiny has to offer if you only played the very first bit of it. But the new stuff, it, it's clearly the best. They, they learned a lot from their mistakes and uh, put in a bunch of great stuff uh, in the expansion. So, so can you just buy um, the Taken King and the the base game? Or I seem to remember reading somewhere that you needed to have all the DLC. You as do well. need all of the DLC to play the Taken King, which is why that legendary disc bundle is the best way to do it. Because if you're buying it piecemeal, um, you can get Vanilla Destiny with no expansions for twenty bucks now, and then I think you need to pay another thirty bucks for the first two expansions, and then wow. forty bucks for the Taken King. Wow. So that's yeah, it's a big investment. Those prices might not be accurate, but it's pretty close. But for sixty bucks, you can get a disc that has everything, everything like, on it, the total package. Um, okay, and the big issues with the first game were that there was a lot of grinding to get to a point where it was decent. Have, have they overcome? They have. They actually rebuilt their entire light system, which was something I had a problem with in original Destiny. Um, if you've never played Destiny, it works like an RPG up until you hit like level twenty. And then you're working to generate light. And light is basically another form of experience. Um, and the only way you can get better light is by getting better weapons and uh, better weapons. Uh, but getting better weapons relied on the luck of the roll, like basically on your gear drops. So it was completely luck based. Like if you right. ran high enough level content, you'd eventually get better stuff. But it was so luck based that it was really hard to actually break through and get a good light level. What they've done in The Taken King is they've transfixed that system. They, they meshed it a little bit so that light is more of an overall metric to your character's offensive and defensive power. So every right, piece okay. of gear you have has a light rating. So your helmet has a light rating, your boots do, your primary weapon does, your secondary weapon does. So by equipping all of your best gear, you get a really top and light rating, and that'll tell you what level of content you should be able to take on next. And by increasingly doing tougher and tougher content the gear that drops will be better and better light levels. So um, if you just keep playing, um, it, it felt like less of an arbitrary grind. Um, yeah. I've hit the point now where I need to do like the raid or the super tough nightfall strikes every week to get the, get the gear I need to grow in power. But um, other games have come out since then. So yeah, I've kind of course. put destiny down until they do another big content drop. Uh, but it's, it's really uh, fantastic stuff. Um, Okay. It, um, it was. Uh, I, I'm clearly, you know, kind of in the bag for Destiny now at this point, which is something I definitely was not when Vanilla Destiny came out. 
but it's I'm very much looking forward to more stuff for Destiny and okay. seeing what Bungie does with the inevitable Destiny Two. Um, yeah. Because they've obviously learned a lot yeah, in this past sure. year. Okay, interesting. That might be something for me to pick up then. So, would you say it's more of a Mass Effect style RPG than a Witcher style? Oh, I, I would say it's it's not even so much. It's got RPG elements, but it's more like oh gosh, let me try and find a good a good metric here. It's more like Bioshock in its okay. RPGness, where you pick a power and then you have an option between. Move it, or you can. You have like five different options for your one power, five different, three different options for what kind of grenade you want. So it's very approachable. You're not going to be doing a lot of like number grinding. It's all customized around how you want to play. Um, There's the three different character types that play slightly differently that have different powers. So really, you can play around a little bit and find the best way you want to play. Um, the shooting feels a lot like Halo because obviously it's Bungie. Yep. So I know Rich, you're a Halo guy. I think you'd really <laughs> dig Destiny, especially if you find a couple of people to play with. I know sure. um, former Newshound uh, Butterfly Edge plays Destiny a lot. Um, okay. So and is it the type of game that uh, an inexperienced person can play alongside a more experienced guy, and it doesn't ruin both the games? Um, there is a certain level of I think they call it Sherpa-ing right, okay. in this, where <laughs> nice. if you if you Find nicer people at higher content levels. Um, they can kind of carry you through the content so you yeah. get better gear and level up faster. Um, but really, it, no matter what level you're at, you can you matchmake into cooperative strikes, which are three-person missions um, that are really great. Or you can always play single-player content to kind of grind up better gear. And before you launch into any mission, it's going to give you... You should be at this level and or oh, okay. this light to try it. Right, okay. Um but yeah, I, I really think you dig it, Rich. So I, I would keep an okay. eye open for a sale. Something for me to pick up in the new yeah new year sounds like a good time. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, I, but then again, I mean, we have tons of really good stuff that's come out recently too. So, <laughs> so many games. Um, so many good. But I've talked for a lot. For uh, I have other things to talk about. But Rich, why don't you tell me um, something about what you've been grinding away on recently? Sure, sure. So obviously, um, little side note. Um, last month we put a lot of our focus onto launching uh, True Steam right. achievements. Um, so I, as you will see from the new monthly uh, summaries that were auto posting to feeds and going out in emails um, in October, my I think I got 14 achievements um, in the whole of October, which is probably my worst month for a long, long time. Uh, but I was I was as I say focused on um, on getting uh, True Steam off the ground. So uh, just a quick note out there: if you are a PC gamer, you've got a Steam account, True Steam achievements. Um, we're just coming out of beta probably next week so uh, you can register your interest or just get on there straight away but similar principles to um, TA and TT uh, you get points based on the rarity of the achievements in the game based on how many people have got the game use your principles but all the good stuff that you used to the stats, the gaming sessions um, the achievement guides everything else, um, friends, feeds all all the good stuff is there so um, choose team achievements, check it out uh, yes, so apart from that little advert, um, I have I picked up um, a couple of months ago. So you'll remember at E3, um, I think it was this year's E3 that it was first announced. No, it was probably last year's. EA Access um, was 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 announced, which is a sort of subscription um, thing for EA where you pay. I think it's four pounds or five dollars a month, or you can get an annual for twenty nine ninety nine bucks or um, nineteen ninety nine pounds for a year. And it gives you access to um, maybe six, seven, eight games, old games, EA games, in the vault, what they call the vault, um, which you can download for free and play anytime. But as well as that, you get um, 10 hours of gameplay um, of any new game that they bring out a week early, a week prior to launch. So um, I picked it up the week that FIFA came out. I bought my, paid my £20 for um, my EAX, so whenever I saw people playing FIFA on my friends list a week before it came out, I was like, oh, oh. And obviously, I pick up FIFA every year, and it's pretty much, let's be honest, it's pretty much the same game every year with a little tweak or two. Um, so I thought that 10 hours is probably about as much as I'm probably going to want to play anyway, or have time to play, uh, given my, my hectic lifestyle and kids and stuff. Um, so I found that I am. Uh, the weird thing about this, which I didn't even realize at the time, is that you can unlock. All the achievements in the game. The game. This is the full copy of the game. Ten hours play. All the achievements unlock as they would normally, as if you had the full copy. But you're playing it a week early, 
and you're not shelling out for the game at all. So I I managed to get about two thirds of the achievements in FIFA in my ten hours, um, and since then there's been two other massive games that I was really keen on playing that I played a little bit of Gamescom, and they were um, Need for Speed, which obviously I'm a massive fan of that series, and um, Star Wars Battlefront, which is probably the biggest title um, certainly of this month that's been released. So um, I put around six hours into um, Need for Speed, um, which is it doesn't have a, a subtitle, it's just Need for Speed. Right, and there's a review uh, on, on site right now, so... There is, and I agree pretty much with everything in the review. Um, I've only played around six hours, but it hasn't grabbed me at all. Like, normally racing games, I'm... You know, I'm such a racing game fan. I can just play them happily, non-stop. But there's a lot of driving between missions. And I think there's a teleport system as well, but I haven't really used that at all. So there's a lot of driving around. It's a big old map. Um, it seems to be constantly nighttime. It seems to be constantly raining. So it's all a bit gloomy and depressing. Um, there's weird rubber banding going on in a lot of the races where you'll you'll um, start off miles behind and you'll, you'll catch up and you'll get ahead and then you'll, you'll form a massive lead and then you'll get to the last corner and some guy will just come out of nowhere and overtake you for the win. It's just like, what? Where, where was he? Where has he come from? Um, and also there's no rewind, so I'm used to playing things like Forza Horizon and um, quite a few other racing games where you can press a button and rewind time, go back and if you muck a corner up. Uh, but there's none of that in this. So you, I'm, I'm pressing Y, like, think, I've come off the track, I've missed a corner. Um there's another thing, like, because it's at nighttime racing, there's sometimes quite hard to see where you're supposed to be going, and you're driving really fast. So if you miss one corner, that's it. You could that could totally screw up your race. Um, so anyway, as I say, it hasn't really grabbed me. I'm going to put some more. I've got about four more hours, I think, in my trial. I'm going to put some more time into it, and hopefully, it it will um, it will grab me a bit, and I'll pick it up the full version. But at the moment, it's not doing it for me. Now, how many high fives have you issued in this game? That's because I, <laughs> I hear there's high fives all over the place. In it's, it's, it's quite dude. There's a lot of there's like um, a lot of cutscenes, and they're unskippable cutscenes as well. Which is like, and especially you know, fair enough if it's a a, a hundred hour narrative game, you you know, you're going to want to see what the cutscenes are. This is like a silly bro movie thing. You want to skip them, and you can't. So uh, that's a bit frustrating as well, especially when you've only got ten hours of gameplay. And you want I'm going to sit here watching a five-minute load of rubbish, <laughs> which you can't skip. So uh, that's annoying, but I will put some more time into it. But more importantly, this week I have been playing Star Wars Battlefront. Yes. Um, on I, t- Tell... Uh, we'll, we'll get into my hang-ups shortly, which are completely unrelated to the fact that Battlefront is out. But tell us about Battlefront. We don't have a review up just yet, but I imagine one is in the works. Yeah, so... um you remember from my Gamescom um, podcast this year that I've I played quite a bit of it. I played two reasonably long sessions, um, both of which were um, well. One was a massive multiplayer space battle, um, X-wings versus Tie fighters, um, ten on ten humans with ten on ten AI as well, and that was amazing and really cool. Um, but I'd also played one of the co-op um, survival mission things which is, um, we were playing on split screen, but you can play online as well, I've since discovered. Um, and I assumed that those were the things they, they threw into Gamescom because they're sort of pick up and play. You can play for 10 minutes and you get a, you get a good feel of it. But I always assumed that there was, the actual game would come out with a, you know, a reasonably long story-driven campaign as well. Mm-hmm. However, there isn't one. So <laughs> it's kind of doing the Titanfall thing then. It is totally doing that, but even Titanfall had a bit of a pretend, yeah, it was pretend, but yeah, campaign thing going on. So there's no main story-driven um, campaign mode. That the whole the main the game opens up. First of all, the thing that hits you is the audio. It's just like wow. The first time you hear that music, if you have got your TV cranked up or you have got headphones on, it's like you're suddenly there. It's just like it really is spine tingling. That that music is so. Um, so ingrained in my psyche from my youth um, that just hearing that stuff is just just gives me a tingle. Um, but the the game loads up in the main menu. It's basically multiplayer, or I think it's just called missions, and that's it. You've got two options. So the multiplayer um, has I think it's got nine different game modes, um, which I've played a little bit of all of them. But I'm going to focus my discussion now on the single player. So you go into the single player menu and you've got three different sections. You've got training battles and survival and training is obviously there to give you a feel of the vehicles the vehicles are i struggled with the handling of the space vehicles to be honest um there are five different scenarios in the training section that that teach you all about that sort of handling 
um, and they could be done solo, online co-op or couch co-op, split screen, which is pretty cool. I mean, it's quite unusual to have a game with split screen co-op these days, so that's a nice little feature. Um, the first of the train missions is Beggar's Canyon. You're in a X-Wing, and you've got to shoot down a few waves of um, TIE Fighters, sort of standard Star Wars scenario. Um, but I really struggled with flying the X-Wing. And I, I tried changing... So, you know, like, um, on the sticks, you, you've got an... Um, X and Y is to fly up and down, and obviously left and right, um, to turn left and right. But quite often in flying games, you can invert the X and Y. Right. And I was... I, the first time I played I was like, here we go, okay, driving through... The first thing you got to do is fly down into the canyon. So I go to the canyon, fly. Flying along a bit, there's a, like a rock. So I pull up, but actually, I'm not pulling up, I'm, I'm steering straight down. So I've smashed into the, <laughs> into the canyon floor immediately. Like, oh, oh, that's disappointing. So I'm thinking, okay... Um, I must have the axis inverted to what I'm used to. I can't remember the last time I played um, a flying game. I think it was probably Ace Combat or or there was a, a Tom Clancy flying game that I played a while back. But I think it was, must have been one of them. So I inverted the axis, went back, played it again, went into the canyon, and the same thing happened. I just I still flew straight into the ground. And I, I just I've, I've switched it around four or five times trying to get it right. But still, intuitively, I always do the wrong thing. And I think what it is is that it's all done on the right thumbstick, and subconsciously whenever I'm trying to pull up I pull back on the left thumbstick and all that does on um, in uh, Battlefront is slow your ship down uh, okay and so I'm, I'm think I'm, I, I slow down then I'm because I'm not moving anywhere I panic a bit and I just go in every direction and I crash but after about an hour <laughs> of trashed, I've cost the Rebellion a lot in X-Wing bills. Um, but after having trashed about 200 X-Wings, I finally got to grips with it now, and I managed to complete the mission and stuff. Um, and I got used to it. And actually, once you once you get get the hang of it, you can re- you really it really does feel good. You flying around, they're quite nimble. Um, they've got a really good turn of speed as well, so you can go from you know really slow, you can do quick turns to really bombing around, um, chasing the the TIE fighters around and um, the targeting system's quite cool you've got like homing missiles you've got normal phasers and it works really well but it does take a re- I've, I've really found it difficult to get used to um, so each of the training missions you get like th- you can get up to three stars for um, depending on how well you do so you complete the mission in under a certain amount of time don't take any damage that sort of thing and as I say there's five different training missions and you're, you're using a different vehicle in each one um, like the second one is um, on Endor and you're on a scout speeder you remember that scene from... Um, yeah, 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 running through the trees. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. So that's really hard. Like you, You've got one... Um, you've got left, right, um, fast, uh, go forward and slow down a bit. Um, but you've got one's power up on that snow speeder, and that's just to go really, really, really fast. So you're trying to follow the rebel- rebels through. You're playing um, the bad guys in this. Quite a lot of the game, you're switching between uh, the dark side and, and the rebellion. Um, so you get to play as Vader and all, all sorts of cool, cool characters as well. Uh, but yeah, I found it really difficult. <laughs> I was crashing into trees constantly. Um, but the training missions are, are good and it gives you a feel of the game. Um, and, but you really do need them because if, if you were to launch into the multiplayer and try and handle an X-wing straight away, you, honestly, you'd just you'd be crashing constantly, or you, you would be if you were me. Um, so those are there to, to give you a feel of it, and I've quite enjoyed playing all that stuff. I think the cool thing is to do some of that co-op. So I'm going to try and make some time to, to play some with Dave at some point. As well as that, you've got battles, which are like um, on-foot scenarios. So you'll be like a stormtrooper or a member of the regular member of the Rebel Alliance. Um, and there are different scenarios on different um, different worlds. And they're like big maps, massive um, like 20v20 um, AI battles. Um, and it's first to 100 points. So um, you can, as you sh- the idea is to shoot the enemy and then they drop a little token and you pick up that token, you get two points for your team. And I had quite a lot of fun with it. On um, It's got three difficulty levels. I was playing it on normal. Um, but I really struggled on hard. You, you get off to what you think would be a good start. You can get like a 50-point lead and without hardly conceding a point. And then suddenly all these hard guys seem <laughs> to come out and just absolutely batter you. And I think that even though you get like two points when you kill them and pick up a token, if they shoot you, I think they get like 10 or something. Obviously, you're the prize um, the prize guy to, get, to kill. So I've, I actually really enjoyed playing all of that stuff. Um, and there's f- up to five stars available for those battle modes. Um, and I think there's eight in total. So there's four different scenarios. And then there's four variations where you play as like a hero. So you play as either Luke or Leia um, or Boba Fett for the bad guys or the Emperor you can play as as well. And they all have different um, special moves and powers and stuff like Force Choke. And they've got um, the lightsabers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And 
it, it, it's good. It's, it's quite varied. It sounds relatively um, consistently the same sort of thing, but actually it does feel quite varied, especially with all the different vehicles that you can use. Um, and then the final mode is survival, which is like a horde mode. Um, there's just four scenarios, um, and it's like waves of enemies that come at you. Um, I just finished the first one on easy. Um, it was 15 waves though, and it got progressively harder. And I was really pleased to complete it. And I thought it took like 28 minutes. And I thought, ah, oh, I finished it, got through level 15, waiting for an achievement to pop. Nothing, no achievement. I was like, oh, come on. That's 28 minutes of, of hardcore survival, and I don't even get a single achievement for it. <laughs> yeah, quiet. Um, yeah. So that's the single player. I think it's quite fair. I think you'll get a lot more enjoyment out of it if you can play some co-op. But I've I've really enjoyed the the four or so hours I've put into that so far. Um, and the multiplayer is massive. It's huge. There's um, up to twenty v twenty human um, battles, like just enormous games. So um, lots and lots of different game modes. I've played. I've dipped into most of them. Um, there's one called Droid Rom where you have three droids that are moving around the map, and um, you, your team needs to control the droids. So to control one, you go up to it. You hold X until it turns into your droid, and then you obviously go and try and capture the other two, and it's like timed. Um, and the team that has all three droids under their control at the end wins. Um, but it's, the rest of it's sort of standard um, team v team supremacy. Um, there's like Walker Assault where you can drive snow speeders, and there's Atats and Scout Walkers, and they're all like huge scale battles. But um, I need to spend some more time getting getting on to that. There's one called Hero Hunt where one of you plays like a hero so it might be Luke or Vader um, and all of the other team have to all of the other people playing have to try and kill them and the person that kills them then becomes the hero and then they have more power and they try and kill everybody else and the winner's the one that gets the most kills um, but that's all quite varied but I just think without that one story mode which is really what I wanted I'm not sure it's a complete game mm. and I'm, I'm sure there will be Titanfall fans that say you don't need that to have a great game um, it's just that that was my expectation and so the first couple of hours, I was a bit like, oh, you know, I was just a little bit let down. I, the, the, that, the lore in Star Wars and the world is so, you know, it's, it's made for a big epic storyline and there's, there just isn't one. Mm. So I still think it's a fun game. It just isn't quite what I was expecting. Yeah, I, I, I completely get that. Uh, I know back in the day, I really got into things like Dark Forces and Jedi Knight on the PC um, because they had those original stories to them, and they didn't even have multiplayer. I think Jedi Knight 2 might have had some form of multiplayer in it, but I was always interested in seeing original stories in the Star Wars universe um, because we weren't getting new movies and stuff like that. But now, since we will be getting new movies, it'll be interesting to see kind of the direction they take as far as games go, if they're going to make more narrative-driven games or if they're just going to create games to support the movies yeah well one assumes now they've built the, the engine they've got the assets in there it should be relative and they've built an incredibly um, solid multiplayer um, I mean 20 on 20 is probably quite unusual on Xbox um, I'm not sure what the highest uh, multiplayer th- I think there was 32 in, in Call of Duty but 40 is a lot of human on you know on the, on the map right. at once and it works well it's this you know it's feels epic. Well, if you're looking for that single-player story, I'm going to, again, hop back in the time machine. I reviewed the the definitive edition of Dishonored um, back in late August, early September, which, um, if you know me at all, you know that that was one of my favorite games of the last generation. So when the definitive yep. edition came out, um, we got a review copy, and Dave offered it to me because I was the one who played Dishonored probably more than anyone else on staff. So I was like, sure, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And it's just, it's great. Um, I think the only downside, and this is very much a personal opinion of me, is if you played the version on the 360, you have very little reason to play the Xbox One version. Um, It's slightly prettier. It has all of the DLC from the original Dishonored in it. Um, But that also includes all the problems of the original Dishonored in that the Dunwall City Trials achievements are just a giant pain in the butt. Um, to the point where, like, I, don't, I didn't even... I, I played around with it a little bit, but I have no interest in trying to complete those. Uh, but the um, the story in Dishonored is amazing. The gameplay, if you like stealthy games, like, where 
the impetus is not so much on the wanton slaughter of everybody around you, but sneaking around, choking people out, hiding their bodies, and then repeating. Like you could, yeah. I did that for like forty hours and loved every minute of it. Uh, and then <laughs> I got, that's the bit that I found dull. Yeah, which that's totally <laughs> fine. And in fact, if you do find that dull, there are powers you can unlock where if you kill somebody without being spotted, their body just like evaporates. <laughs> So that's pretty cool. And if you, what I really enjoyed was doing the main game as more of a nice guy, like choking out everybody so I didn't kill anyone, hiding bodies. But then the two DLC packs, the Knife of Dunwall and the Brigmore Witches, you play as Dowd, who is basically the main antagonist of the game. Like he's the guy who starts out and kills the Empress, the the actual assassin empress so you play as this guy in the two dlc packs so if you want to just embrace being a terrible person you can just go through and slaughter everyone as <laughs> as the bad guy uh which is also fun in a different way but like most games uh, of this type there are moral choices so if you go through and slaughter everybody you're yeah. going to have a tougher time at the end you're going to see a darker ending whereas if you take the time and make sure you don't kill hardly anybody um, it makes it a much more nice ending, which was kind of nice, and it's a great. That's cool. It's a yeah, great setup no, like for it. the sequel, which I believe is set to come out next year, maybe, because um, they announced it at wow. E3 this year, and it looked really. Um, I will play it. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna play that game. Yeah. Um, the game that I played the most recently, though, uh, is Rise of the Tomb Raider. Um, we got an early review copy of that uh, about a week ago. Actually, it's a little over a week ago. Um, so I spent uh, all of last weekend playing through Lara Croft's new adventure. And uh, the review's on the site, and I caught some some flack for some of my opinions, which I will I will defend <laughs> a little bit here. Um, but let, let me let's make this more of a conversation. So, Rich. Yeah. Are you a- I loved I played and loved the first great. one. Great. I really liked the first one too. I thought it was great. Um, are you a fan of Indiana Jones? Yeah. You are? Who isn't a fan of Indiana Jones? I know, Jones? right? Everybody loves Indiana Jones. So <laughs> let me tell you a little bit uh, about Rise of the Tomb Raider through the prism of Indiana Jones. So Rise of the Tomb Raider starts, um, you're again Lara Croft, and the mission in this one is you are searching for this religious artifact that Lord Croft, your father, spent his entire life searching for uh-huh. in vain. You pick up the quest... And suddenly you have a, a, a shadowy military group called Trinity who are also on your heels trying to find this religious artifact that's going to create unbelievable power. <laughs> Rich, does that sound like anything you might have heard before? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like... That's the third Yeah, that's film. the third Indiana Jones film. Great, okay. So while you're searching for this religious artifact, you end up finding this other artifact called the Atlas. And when you put the Atlas in this special room and raise it into the light of the sun, it projects a map of this ancient city and pinpoints exactly where this religious artifact is. Does that sound like anything from Indiana Jones? Is that in the second one? No, it's in the first one. No, that's the first Raiders one. Raiders of the Lost Ark, yeah. where they, they have the... Raiders! Yeah, the laser beam that shows to the temple where the Ark of the Covenant is. All right, so yes. you learn where this religious artifact is, and then you go in to find it and get it. And suddenly, you have a cult of terrible ah. bad guys who are chasing you <laughs> and trying to kill you because they want to keep this... Are they in a temple of... Yeah, uh, they're, they're doom, in a perhaps? doom-laden temple. So, <laughs> to recap... The story of Rise of the Tomb Raider basically takes the plot of all three Indiana Jones movies, hacks them up, distills them down, and makes them less cool. Um, <laughs> that's the story of Rise of the Tomb Raider. It's basically all of the Indiana Jones movies put together. Um, okay, so let's... Is that... Is this a negative in your eyes, or is yeah? It, I, there was a story in the first one, but to be honest, I wasn't that bothered. I, 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 I did. It was the gameplay that I got listed me. it as a negative. I said it was predictable and unoriginal because based. Oh, predictable. It, okay, it was fine. just like every. Once I learned what the mission was, I'm like, okay, basically they're doing Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and then they're like, oh, to yeah. find this thing, you need the Atlas, and then they once they started using the Atlas, I'm like, this is straight out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then once I finally got in there, like, oh, well, there's these these warriors who've used this power, and they're not going to want to let it go, and the deathless ones. And I'm like, so basically you have a Temple of Doom-style cult protecting... I'm like, I mean, there's unique little twists in it that I'm not going to give away, but 
I was just sure. I was really just soured on it, especially because um, you even go to the same areas that Indiana Jones movies start. Like you start in Syria, which is basically where Last Crusade happened. Then you go to Siberia, which is where he goes to for Raiders of the Lost Ark to meet Marion Jones and get that trinket. So you're even going oh, to the yeah. same areas that Indiana Jones went to. <laughs> um, that I mean, so the plot was just kind of, and I know some people really are going. Some people may really like that story, but I found it just really haphazard and unoriginal. Um, yeah, if you've not seen Indy, and, and if you haven't seen it. Indy, you are a failure as a creative person at this point. Um, but what was really great about the game is the, the continued growth of Lara Croft. Like in that first game, she, she's, you know, she's a brand new recent graduate. She's never really done anything. Yeah. She's she's weak and she has to grow into who she is. So this game really picks up where that one left off and continues that growth. You see her growing in confidence, growing in knowledge, growing in determination. She's constantly moving forward and she has this great drive, which is fantastic. Um, so that that's definitely one of the strongest points. It's just the continued growth of of Lara okay. as a character. The thing that a lot of people took me to task on in my review, though, is that the Rise of the Tomb Raider does the really annoying thing, and this happens a lot in games. And I don't some games justify it better, but basically you start back at zero. Like all the gear right. that you got in the first game is gone. All the skills you developed in the first game are pretty much gone. And you have to start back over from zero. Mm-hmm. Now, in my mind, it made sense for the very first one to have nothing and have to yeah, acquire yeah, all agree. this stuff. But put yourself in this mindset. You are going on an expedition for this artifact. You know you have a sketchy, scary, murderous military group chasing you. Are you going to go out on this journey without any weapons? No, you're not. <laughs> and someone's like, well, she probably flew, and if she flew, she couldn't take any guns with her. I'm like, she's Lara Croft. She's rich. She can charter a damned plane yeah. to take stuff with her. Yep. So the fact that she would get caught off guard without any of her weapons just made no sense. It, it made no sense. And the fact that she had to grind to reacquire a lot of the skills she had in the first game makes no narrative sense. Outside of the fact that this is a game and you need to do that stuff. Well, I was going to say, it's the... So, I mean, normally, when you, when you, well, quite often when you play a sequel, you're playing a different character in a similar world or something like that, aren't you? Quite often. I'm thinking yeah. of Witcher and, and like more RPG style games. You're generally starting from scratch with a brand new character, but this is Lara. She's, and you're right, you've invested that time in the first game, making her what she is at the end of that game, which is pretty, you know, reasonably powerful, um, and strong character. So, I don't know how how they. Well, I, I think of, really. and I don't want to how say you should they do outright steal this, but like Mass Effect Two, Commander Shepard dies at the beginning of it, and he gets rebuilt. Like they they rebuild Commander Shepard, and then oh, he has I to see. get some skills back again. Now I'm not saying that would work in Tomb Raider, and I'm not saying that they needed to come up with like the the really terrible amnesia thing where she had to relearn a bunch of stuff. But they could have like <laughs> yeah, figured out a way to like alter yeah, those skills something. like I know how to do this but I need to figure out how to do something slightly different to make this work now I it, it just yeah, it really yeah. struck me as just a bit too gamey um, which you know if you're if you want to say that's a terrible criticism you're more than welcome to but I think we should be holding games to a higher standard at this point than that no, but it makes, I mean what did what did you so you, what did you give this game? Four. I give it a four it's a good game yeah that sounds um, fair enough what, did, what would you have given the first uh, game? probably like a 4.5 yeah, and that makes sense. Basically, they've repackaged the game in a different area. So why would you give it as high a score right. as the first one if it's um, very similar? I mean, there are things that it does better. Like, there are more tombs to raid in Rise of the Tomb Raider, mm-hmm. but they're all really... They were cool, actually, yeah. those little puzzles. I, I enjoyed but those. But these, they feel less complicated than the first one. There's more of them, but they're all really easy. Like, I don't think any oh, okay. tomb took me more than a couple of minutes. Um because uh, I was googling solutions yeah, a couple like of times. In the first one, you had to really figure stuff out. This one is just, oh, I need to jump over here. I need to free that thing to jump on it. And now that I've got those things jumped, I need to time this jump. And now I'm done. That 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 it's yeah. it, it just yeah. There was some quite complex. I remember some of the stuff with water was pretty tricky yeah, in the first. The, game. You will have no problem getting through tombs in Rise of the Tomb Raider. The, the okay. biggest problem you'll have is they they kind of do the Metroid thing where you'll need to double back to certain areas once you have the equipment you need to do them. Um, yeah, 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 but, yeah cool. but that was... I mean, they're really... I said they were short one-note affairs that are tackled within minutes. 
Um, and then at the end of each tomb, you get the same thing. There's an ancient codex that gives you a new skill or unlocks a skill for you. So yeah. each tomb hides knowledge in it, just like a Saturday morning special. Um, yeah. Now, cool. So my own one of my criti- I'm not sure it was a criticism. One of my surprising things from the first game was the violent mm-hmm. deaths that f- befell Lara quite often. If, is have um, I carried that through? Sir- I mean. I didn't find them offensively overly violent or gory. They might have toned that down a little bit, but they, I mean, it, mm-hmm. when you fall, you do die, and they do show her dying. But it's not like I don't recall seeing her being viciously impaled in a, an exploitative way. Right. Okay. Because there was some yeah, of that in that the, was first game. the first game. I'm sure. I mean, it sticks in my head, which is unusual for me because I'm not generally. I'm not. I'm not I wouldn't right. say I was offended. I was just surprised at, um, at seeing wh- that. which. It just wasn't, I, I don't wasn't know how well this applies. Um, the the platforming in Rise of Tomb Raider is great. Just the the act of moving around the map, uh, yeah. jumping, climbing, swinging, all of that feels great. But I I, per- I actually found the combat to be a bit of a mess. Now some people in the comments now that they've played the game, which some people commented before the game was even out that the combat's the same. It's not. And I'm like, you haven't played, you don't know. <laughs> um, but I found the combat to be a little bit of a mess. Um, the cover mechanic. I thought it was just terrible because it, it, there's no sticking in it. Like, you know how in Gears of War, when you get into cover, you stick right. in cover yeah. so you know you're there? They're, they don't have that mechanism, so it's really hard to tell when you're actually in cover versus, like, being exposed. Um, a lot of the cover is destructible, yeah. too, so even if you're in cover, um, that cover can get destroyed or degraded to the point where you're not in cover, so you have to scramble to a different cover spot. Um, some people really like the scrambling mechanic. I think it feels, like, loose and just a little random. Right. Yeah. I think we are a bit spoiled with Gears. I mean, Gears has perfected that to the nth degree. Um, I certainly remember. So I would, I would hold this game up against it, Uncharted. Yeah, I've never played Uncharted, and 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 strangely, I've been playing. Um, they they released right. the, the Nathan Drake um, collection on PS4. So um, we've been playing that in the office because they are amazing games, and they took on Tomb Raider and took it to where Tomb Raider is trying to get to now with that whole uh, action adventure style of platforming and. Um, this, the, I've been playing back through Uncharted 1 and they have tweaked it, um, but really you do notice how clunky that, that, that cover mechanic is compared to Gears. I think Gears has just totally nailed it and we are, we are a little bit spoiled when, we, when we're used to playing that. I think it's quite yeah. hard to do. Yeah, and well. it's... I found it to be... It, it just never felt tight and right to me. The, the, the combat just never felt... I never felt in control to the point where I could reliably do what I wanted to do at all times, right. which I thought was kind of a negative. Um, yeah, you need to fit in control. Yeah, that that being said, I mean, I gave the game a 4 out of 5. Um, I, I think I summed it up with saying they had a really good success rebooting Tomb Raider 2013. This takes another positive step forward. It continues Lara's development, provides another solid adventure. But the combat feels clunky. The story is it's just a bad Indiana Jones knockoff. Um and the combat was just, it wasn't that great. But, I mean, a, a lot of people in our reviews are starting to look at what we listed positives and negatives and saying, well, you gave four negatives and three positives, but you gave it a four out of five. Yeah. Do you want to just, um, for those that don't understand our review system, or think they understand our review system, but it's never actually, rev- we do have a link yes, on our, all our reviews that explain it. Um, do you- yeah, I'll um if if you're one of the the very few people who listens to this podcast but doesn't like <laughs> deep dive into the site, here's how our review system works. So, we basically do our star system out of recommendations to play. So, a 5-star game is a game that you should not miss, and then we say there's no such thing as a perfect game, but a 5-star review should be seen as the highest recommendation for play. Um, a four-star game is a very good game, so if you're a fan of that style or type of game, you should definitely look into playing it. And while it may be really good, there are certain aspects that may keep everyone from enjoying it. So that's exactly yeah. where I thought Tomb Raider was. Exactly. Um, yeah. Three Stars is, is a game that might appeal to fans of a certain style of game or a certain genre of game, um, but could be considered kind of a take it or leave it. Um, it has merits that some gamers will enjoy, but also some rough spots that kept it from scoring higher. Two Stars is a below-average game where if you're a really big fan of that type of game, you might want to play it, but otherwise it can be avoided. And then a one-star game is not recommended at all. So (laughs) if you look at our official site reviews, um, which there's a handy-dandy link, 
a lot of our games fall between three and five stars um, because yeah. it takes quite a bit for a game to be outright crap. Um, <laughs> I, I think the only games that have scored lower than a three at this point this year have been Now That's What I Call Sing, which <laughs> I can't believe that game exists. Um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, which was just an unmitigated disaster. Um, yeah, that's a shame. I, that's let's a shame. See, I reviewed Commander Cherry's Puzzle Journey, which oh, is yes. terrible. <laughs> I remember that. Um, <laughs> the Swindle, we gave a 2.5. But everything else, I mean, Spectra got a 2. But most things are falling this year in between like a 3 and a 5. Um, yeah, to be honest, generally... People don't send us right. copies for review unless they're reasonably confident. And if you, I mean, if you really look at it, the games that we've given five stars to in the past six months, um, there aren't that many. A lot of games are. I mean, no, we gave. Really. Uh, let's see. I gave Witcher a five out of five, which I'll stand by that for forever. I gave Wolfenstein: The Old Blood a five out of five, which one of the best shooters of the year. Um, Arkham Knight. Dave gave that a five out of five. Uh, yeah. Let's see, I'm just I'm just doing a quick scroll. Metal Gear Solid Five, we gave a five out of five, and Fallout Four, we gave a five out of five. Now we had several yeah. four point fives out of fives, which usually those are just little things that stop it from being a five out of five. Like Tales from the Borderlands, we gave four and a half out of five. Assassin's Creed Syndicate, four point five. Um, I gave Dishonored, the Definitive Edition, a four point five. Um, Taken King was a four point five. Uh, Forza, we gave the new Forza 4.5. So, yeah, I mean, we have a pretty good breadth and depth to our reviews. And, I mean, Tomb Raider, if you like the first Tomb Raider, definitely pick this one up. If you like action-adventure yeah. third-person games, you should pick this one up. Yeah. But it's, or even, wasn't it um, the first one on Games of Gold recently? Yeah, it, well? it was, absolutely. And So I think they'll probably they'll shift a few copies on, on the strength of that, because that first absolutely. game was solid. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just to say that if a game gets 5 out of 5, that does not mean it's a perfect game. No. They, please, please do not think that. There's no such thing as a perfect game. That, 5 out of 5, we seriously recommend you play this game. Yeah. That's all it means. Yeah, and again, these are opinions. There's yeah. no such thing as a perfect opinion. Especially, I'm a person who does consider games to be a form of art. Art cannot be perfect, <laughs> because it is opinionated. <laughs> and um, it's subjective, exactly. And it's totally subjective. Um, that being said, Fallout 4 is the perfect game and everyone should play it. Yeah, I was going to say Fallout um, No, um, I, I, I'll talk for a minute about Fallout 4. We do have a review online. Megs had the... Megan had the unenviable task of having to review Fallout 4, which I say that tongue firmly planted in cheek because I've had to review big, gigantic RPGs. I had to review... Um, the Witcher, oh, Witcher which start, is yeah. probably just as big as Fallout 4. And to play a game that you love, but force yourself to play it for a ridiculous amount of time in a short frame of days, that it's harder than a lot of people think. Um, if you've yeah, never, it's not, it's not all, um, it, it's not all fun and games. Exactly. But <laughs> Megan um, gave Fallout 4 a 5 out of 5. Um, I was like editing this review, praying that there were no spoilers in it. It's a spoiler for your review. Um, she <laughs> liked a lot of things about it, but she also said, like Bethesda games, there are some glitches. Um, there are some things that don't quite match up. Um, but it is high. It's impossible for a game on that scale not to have right. a couple of. And I, I've actually listened to a few other podcasts where they talk about the creation of this game. And if you just want to think about it, it's a huge world. Like the map is massive. There are so many things that you can interact with in this map. You can move a spoon from point A to point B. The game will remember that you moved it from point A to point B. Now yeah. think of every spoon you've moved and know that the game yeah. has to remember that. Um, and it, and then think about the settlement. There's the settlement building mechanic, which is new in this one. Um, there's followers. There's quests to track. There are so many things that these Bethesda games have to track that there's going to be a couple of bugs. And to Bethesda's credit, they're really good about patching. They iron a lot of those things out, and they catch yeah. a lot of them. So, uh, that being said, Fallout 4, um, I, I want to tell a personal story here for a minute. Um, as if you've listened to the podcast or if you know me at all, you know that this is a game that I was really, <laughs> really wanting. Um, so, I did not pre-order the game, mainly because my wife 
was like, don't pre-order it. You'll get it for Christmas. And I'm like, no, I'm not waiting to Christmas for this game. I'm going to get it. <laughs> but she started to heavily, she kept like diverting my attention away. She's like, well, okay, we'll get it for you, but we're going to compromise. Uh, I'm going to get it for you. It's going to be my Christmas present to you. So I'm like, okay, well, here's a place that the pre-order at Best Buy has socks that look really cool. Plus <laughs> you can get the the whole um, online pass or the, the season pass with all the DLC. So I kind of want that one. Um, she's like, okay, well, let's wait. So the day it comes out, we, um, we ride the bus to work. We have a really great bus system here. I, I live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where the University of North Carolina is. Um, they have a really great public transit system. Both my wife and I work at the university, so we rode the bus home together. Um, and as we're walking, I'm like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get home. I'm going to get in the car. We're going to go buy Fallout. She's like, okay, fine. So we get home, and there's a package <laughs> delivery stuck to my door and I'm like what's going on here so I go to the office I get the package and I'm like this is big and heavy like something I think I know what it is so I I bring the package back I walk in the front door and my wife is holding up her phone recording a video of me and I'm just giving her the stink eye like what did you do so I I open this package and it is the Pip-Boy collector's edition of fallout and in there i'm like it's a receipt and there's nobody's name on it so i'm like wife did you do this she's like no i didn't do this i'm like did my brother-in-law do it who asked me that day about fall i'm like did he do this she's like no and she's like what did you do all last weekend and i'm like i reviewed tomb raider and she's like who did you review tomb raider for and i'm like rich stone you (laughs) son of a bitch so rich um surprised me and he and my wife collaborated together for months so, Rich, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I truly, it's the best gift I've gotten in a very long time. Um, oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. It was hard. I can imagine. It really difficult. A, a, getting me not to pre-order it myself. <laughs> the hardest thing was finding B, keeping someone. it a secret. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. There, was two, there were two hard things. One was finding an online store in the States that would let me pay with my card from the UK and have it delivered <laughs> to an address in the States. The first three I tried wouldn't work. Um and so that that took me ages. And then every time I'd find somewhere that had stock, by the time that I'd read that it had stock, I'd get there and it would be out of stock. So this was, it took me about three weeks to actually, after I'd made the decision that I was going to try and order it for you, it took me about three weeks from that point to actually find somewhere that A, had it in stock, and B, would let me pay with my card. Um, and then, of course, the whole palaver with you just not being able to wait because you're a very I, impatient I, man. Yeah. And then, <laughs> must the, have the thing was, I kept justifying her. I'm like, wife, I have not purchased a game in six plus months, I, I, this is what I want. I, I'm not getting Halo for this game. I passed on Halo to get this game. I'm passing on Star the... Wars to get. So, <laughs> I was at the Golden Joystick Awards. A little side yeah. story, um, which was a couple of weeks ago actually at the O2, um, which The Witcher won. Weird thing about the Golden Joysticks, okay? So there was 24 awards. Really, it was it's available to watch on on Twitch. Um, have a look at it if you're bored one day. Um, 24 awards, a lot of awards. Um, and they were dominated by two games, The Witcher 3 and GTA 5. And they both won, I think, about five awards each. Uh, but every time GTA won, the crowd were booing. Yeah. So obviously, the crowd's made up of industry people. And, and there was no one there from, from Rockstar. So uh, I don't know whether it was, it was something to do with that. But every time The Witcher won, it was whooping and hollering and, yeah, go The Witcher, go The Witcher. Every time GTA won, it's like, boo! How dare that Rockstar win? Really it was really strange, really odd. Yeah, it was it was weird, but I think everyone was <laughs> was drunk and they were just loving the fact that the I, I think there was a lot of love for the Witcher guys there. I think um, I think well, they, 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 they seem yeah. really genuinely nice people. Um, but I was at the after party um, and um, I got this Facebook message come out and it's, it's your wife saying, "Oh, he's 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 determined he's going to buy it. What can I tell him? What can I tell him?" I was just at that point I was so drunk I was just like I just I can't think of anything else. Just tell him if he buys it he'll be ruining us. And, and I actually did tell her. <laughs> but it was difficult. I told her a few weeks ago. I'm like, wife, if you pre-ordered this for me and I'll be getting it, please just tell me because I'm dying. And she didn't tell me. She didn't cave. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that, that was great. So um, I get the game. And this is... You're going to be amazed by this. I just looked... I've only played the game for three hours. I got it Tuesday night. I've been so busy... Wow. ...with work and life and stuff. So you that, could have waited till Christmas. <laughs> no, I could not have waited till Christmas. Um, I was going to play it um, this weekend a lot, but yesterday I... Um, what did I... Oh, I, I'm in grad school, so I had to have... Uh, I went to the gym yesterday morning, 
got home, showered, went, met with one of my classmates to work on our grad school project. Um, I'm making a big pot of chili today because it's the first cold weekend Ooh. in Chapel Hill. So we went shopping, did all of our grocery shopping yesterday. We got home last night, and um, I'm trying to be good husband. So we Netflix and chilled. We did oh, not yeah. do the the subtext of that. We just literally <laughs> watched <laughs> Netflix and chilled. Um, <laughs> literally. Literally. And, and once we're done recording this podcast, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to come home. I'm going to start cooking chili. I'm going to clean because we're going to have some friends over to enjoy chili with us. I might play another hour of it today, but um, I'm going to need to like clear away yeah. a couple of days in my calendar just to binge on Fallout. But but the fact that I have it and that I can play it whenever I want to is is like the thing that keeps me going right now. No, it's cool. So how have you enjoyed the first three hours? It, it's really, it, it's interesting. Like, it starts off great. Like, the character creation tool, um, if you've been plugged into the internet, it's amazing. Seeing the faces, some people, like, people have been able to perfectly recreate, like, professional wrestler John Cena and Hulk Hogan. And <laughs> right, okay. um, so I actually had my wife help me create me in Fallout. Which, Is it only WWE stars that you couldn't build? Or uh, no, I think you can probably build about anybody, because they're a really good... Um, <laughs> There, there's good skin tones, so you can actually make some a uh, person of color in, in Fallout, which is fantastic. Um, you can be uh, a woman in Fallout, which is again fantastic. Um, so it's great uh, that you the character creation tool is very robust. Um, so I spent some time doing that, and then um, the opening of the game, uh, it, it's fantastic. Uh, and then when you emerge into the wasteland, it, it's great. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's the settlement building system, which I'm still kind of struggling with, um, but I'm just... The great thing about Fallout is it's it's a wandering game. Like, they, they've advertised it using the song The Wanderer, and that's what the best uh, part yeah. about it is. You're just wandering, and you stumble across something. Like, I stumbled across a, um, a shack that was built underneath power lines, and there were a bunch of ghouls living in it. So I killed all the ghouls, and then there's, like, a, a, a cellar underneath the shack. So I go into the cellar, and I find another ghoul living down there, and... I kill him, and then there's a computer terminal, and you learn about this guy before he became a ghoul and how he was, like, anti-government, like, the government's going to take our stuff, but I'm not going to let him. And it was it was just a <laughs> cool little side story. Uh, and then I came across, like, a shipping depot where there were, again, more ghouls to kill, but I read, like, communications between the shipping company employees saying, oh, we need to make sure that this shipment goes here and this shipment goes here, and keep an eye on this shipment. So I actually found the key to the container that had that shipment. I went in and found a bunch of cool stuff. So um, I, I like it's one of those great games where you can just kind of wander and never know what you're going to stumble across, and that's really great. Uh, and tons of quests, tons of stories. Um, I've customized some of my weapons and named them. So I've got uh, a, a <laughs> machine gun that I've called the Chicago Piano because it has the nice drum Tommy gun style cylinder on it. And, it's it's great. So I'm thoroughly enjoying my time with Fallout. You're gonna oh, have a lot of fun with it's that. It's probably the game I'm gonna play for the rest of the calendar year, uh, just because. And have you made use of the Pip Boy? I have. I put it on, and I played with it. Um, it's currently on my mantelpiece right now. Uh, what I'm thinking is I'm going to break it out next Halloween, and I'm gonna go as a, a wastelander. Yes. Um, because you can actually, I can actually put my iPhone in it. And there's the Pit yes. Boy app, so it looks like the Pit Boy, which is super nice. cool and awesome. That is cool. Um, so, obviously, there hasn't been a lot of news, but the news that has come out has been primarily around the new Xbox experience, the new Xbox mm -hmm. One experience. Which everybody has. Which everybody now. has. I haven't gotten to play around with it a lot because when I turned on my Xbox, I saw that it came through, but I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going to play Fallout. Um, yeah, no, no, that's fair enough. So, I'm in the beta program, so I've had it for a bit. Um,. I have struggled a little bit to find things. Yeah, I, I can totally get that. But um, I'm sure I'll get used to it in time. It just seems like um, the font's very small. Like, this is something I've noticed on Star Wars as well. They, they put these little tips up, and they're honestly, they feels like they're about three pixels mm. wide. These, these, these little lines of text. So I don't know how people cope if they don't have massive right. HDTVs. You, you just literally wouldn't be able to see any of it. And I've got... It's not quite as severe on the NXT, but if it feels a little bit like that, um, a lot of lot smaller, which is which is good for us. I mean, I don't know if you remember when we brought the app out last year, the TA app. Um, one of one of a recurring, I wouldn't say complaints, but requests was for us to add a, a, a yep. larger font mode, um, which we didn't because we were developing it on 
um, our PCs and on the monitors and stuff, and obviously you you only sit a foot and a half away from um, your monitor. It didn't really it didn't really seem like it. The fonts were too small, but I just don't know how people that have those issues with the app are coping with the with this new desktop experience because it's very it is very small. A lot of stuff, especially if you're using the stuff on the yeah, left, yeah, where yeah, yeah, got like messages and party, tiny little fonts. So. Um, I don't know, but apart from that, I struggled to find my games and apps the first time. I was looking. I mean, surely that should be for me. That should be like the first thing. But I had to scroll down through like the the last four things I played or something, and it was down the bottom somewhere. It was the last place I was expecting it to be. Um, but it's out there now, and backwards compatibility is out there now. I haven't played anything yet. Yeah, I was um, just looking at the backwards compatible list. It, it's on the website. Um, yeah. And we have a backwards compatibility page, actually, awesome. which will keep you up to date with, um, as well as having all the games that are backwards compatible. And you will see them um, flagged up on their game pages as well. So there'll be a little panel on the right that says this game is backwards compatible on the Xbox One. And that will have all the latest um, backwards compatibility news. So when they announce new stuff, that'll all be on that page. So keep an eye on that. Um, but yes, um, 104 games, of which maybe there are 20 good games. ones. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. There's a lot of stuff that um, isn't brilliant. It's, it seems a little bit disappointing for the initial. Right. Um, but next month uh, in December, they're adding all the Bioshock games, Call of Duty Black Ops, okay. Halo Reach, Halo Wars, and Skate 3. So good stuff is going to be backwards compatible soon. Yeah. Um, but I'm just looking at this list of backwards compatible and things that are jumping out to me. Uh, Rainbow Six, Vegas, one and two, South Park, Great Stick thing. of Truth, Torchlight. Um, I'm just picking up high points right now. Uh, so a lot of the games that you just announced are just so happen to have new um, new versions yeah. coming out at the same time, which I think is, as I say, the same with Fallout. Was that Fallout yep. 3 was available with a code? So I think they're, they're, they're coinciding. Certainly, the Rainbow Six stuff is is coinciding with when Siege comes out. They're going to give away the first two games as, as codes of uh, backwards compatible. So, so I think there's a lot of that um, in it as well. So they're they're obviously staggering it. I imagine I don't know how much is involved in the actual testing. I know there's no there's no coding to be done in theory, and there's some contracts to be signed with the developers and the publishers. Um, but then there's there's got to be some testing. One would imagine yeah. um, no, of I, the emulator to make yeah. sure the games run solidly all the way through. So. There must be some um, labor-intensive process uh, that's involved in certifying each one, but um, it looks like they're staggering them so that there'll be a steady run of decent games throughout the months ahead. Um, most often coinciding with a, a new a new release of an existing IP, um, which would be interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, speaking of releases coming up, I'm just pulled up the calendar. Uh, this coming week, which is the week of 16th, so depending on when you get this out, this could be new news or old news. Star Wars Battlefront comes out on Tuesday, <laughs> as does the final episode of Game of Thrones, Telltale's Game of Thrones. So uh, when that comes out, wow. I will play that. And then the next thing we post about that will be the full season review. That will include a score. Um, so I will have a scored, I will have a scored review of the entire first season, which is avail- will be available at retail next week as well. So you can buy a disc with all nice. those things. Um, but that that's it for November as far as our calendar goes. And then Tuesday, December 1st, uh, Rainbow Six Siege and Just Cause 3 come out. Just Cause 3! Just Cause 3. So I'm very excited. So if you have one of those three. crazy experiences where you're blowing stuff up and flying around the map and just having a grand old time, that's, yeah. that's your game. I was really excited about um, Siege until I've played... Admittedly, the stuff I played at Gamescom was just a, a, what I thought was a small fragment of it. But uh, I've now got that thing with like, due to Battlefront not not having the, the single-player campaign that I was expecting. That I'm now worried that maybe Rainbow Six Siege won't, but I'm pretty yeah. sure they will. Um but but those those are two highly anticipated games, especially I mean Just Cause Three will be immense. I'm very much looking forward to playing that. Right. Well, I, I, that's and that's all we have on the calendar right now. I think once we hit you know those first couple weeks of December, everyone's kind of cleared their plates in time for holiday giving because it doesn't look like we're gonna have a whole lot of stuff coming out um, as you get closer um, to the December holidays and the New Year. And then as, as we can expect, once we hit January, we get those. Q1 games which get pushed uh, out of the craziness yeah. of holiday season. Um, but we'll try to get together uh, sometime in December before holidays descend upon us to have a, a yearly wrap-up, talk about our favorite games of the year and all that, that good stuff. a very good idea. Yeah, so uh, I think that's that's about it. Is that yep. about it? That's about it. That's about it. Um, right. I probably took about site, site stuff that's happened. Uh, yes. But it was mainly the um, monthly summaries. 
um, that have gone live. So uh, emails and um, if you go to, I think it's called period summaries on your menu, you can now look back at any month in history of your um, Xbox gaming uh, history and see what exactly what games you were playing, how many achievements you got. It's all like graphs and funky stuff. It all, it's all pretty and there's nice big pictures and it's just generally good. Um, also, we've done a whole ton of stuff over the last two weeks on site performance, so you should notice the site is running very slick indeed. Um, friend things have been completely rewritten to be uh, around five times faster, actually, which is pretty cool. Um, a lot of pages have been sped up um, a lot, so we've been working hard to make the site faster, which is cool. Um, and we are going to soon be starting work on version 2 of the True Achievements app. So um, we will be posting uh, a little thread, starting a new thread asking for feature requests if you have things that you would like us to add to the app. Um, it's probably going to be Q1, towards the end of Q1 that it comes out uh, next year. So um, get your requests in and um, we'll try and put them in the app. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, um, on we'll catch you all next month. Yes. So, on behalf of Rich, uh, this is Jonathan, uh, and uh, I will also speak on behalf of Dave, who is now dead to us. Yes. And no, Michelle, who is working, working, working like librarian. And um, yeah, that's about it. So. Have a great November. If you're an American, enjoy some turkey. If you're not an American, become an American. Um, That's (laughs) a joke. All right. That's about it for us. So uh, on behalf of Rich, have a great rest of your month, and we will see you back here in December. Bye.